Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really excited to announce a friend of mine that's from, well, I met her in Calgary. We used to work together and it's been a long time since we've talked. And today it's been, I think, almost two years or maybe just over two years. I don't know. I don't know why. Time goes by so fast. Long story short, this is Monica. (laughs) Monica, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Hello, everybody. So I have Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in August of 2016, but it wasn't really that simple as to how I found out. I um, went on this trip to Mexico in February and thought, oh, poor me, got the beaver fever, drank something wrong in Mexico. Here I am really ill. No big deal. Yeah, so it took a week or so for me finally to go to the family doctor and get tests or whatever. Test results come back and they're like, oh no, you're fine. I'm like, pretty sure I'm not fine. So then we redid all the exact same tests because, you know, they didn't work the first time. May as well do them one more time. The results came back the same, not fine. I had to fight with the family doctor to tell her that I wasn't fine and that I clearly needed more tests because by this point I had been about a month to a month and a half and I was only getting worse. And of course, everything takes forever in healthcare. So then I had to wait a whole three months, I think, to get a phone call from the specialist and then like another two months after that to actually go in for colonoscopy to see what was going on. And immediately I found out that I had Crohn's disease. No, I didn't really know what Crohn's disease was when they handed me the piece of paper. So I was like, oh, can't be that bad. No, I was wrong. A lifelong chronic illness that's never going away. So then, of course, I tried the pregnazone, the Remicade, the Asacol, the enemas, the Stelara. I think I tried everything, hospital visits, which ended up with me being very ill for two years until I finally gave in and got surgery and got a temporary ostomy bag, which I'm hoping will be um, reversed in the fall. Long story short, that's what happened. I had no, when did you get your surgery? I think that was, it must've been after October, 2018. So I've had it for almost two years and I'm hoping to get rid of it in the fall. That's good. How's your health? Like, is it getting better? Um, I went on a full downhill spiral until I got the surgery. And then once I got the surgery, I will say it probably saved my life or like a cliche to say but gave me my life back in the sense that now like there's less worries but like I absolutely hate having a stoma like unpopular opinion mm-hmm. out there um, and I am the type of person that's very persistent and has to try like even though the doctors are like oh we're not sure you're so healthy now we're not sure I'm like no we're trying because what's the worst that can happen I have to go back to this but I already know what it's like to live with this but I don't know what it's like to now get a reversal now that I'm technically in remission I guess mm-hmm so can they see, so I'm assuming your colon is inside your body still kind of healing? Yeah. So I only yeah. got um, a quarter of it removed 
about, I think about a quarter of it removed. So the rest of my large intestines just floating around, having a little swimming party in there and they will just hopefully reattach it. Yeah. I had that, um, a a surgeon recommended that to me a few years ago and I was like, I don't want to do that. But anyways, I never ended up getting it done, but it's great that it saved your life pretty much. That's awesome. Yeah. I was kind of to the point where I didn't have any options. Like I could Mm -hmm. try another biologic, um, Mm -hmm. That's the only biologic I haven't tried. Um, but it was sort of like, I'm not sure I can get sicker and wait another six months to see if this is going to work or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's literally how long it takes to like get the insurance approval, get the drug in, and then you have to get your loading dose and then maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it does work. And then you go back on prednisone. You're like, this is stupid. I would never want to go back on prednisone mm-hmm. in my life. I hate no. that drug. <laughs> I was actually looking at photos of myself on prednisone two days ago. And I was like, I had the fattest cheeks like in the whole world. And yeah. no, not for me. No way. Yeah. No. And I agree with you. It makes you like, number one, it makes you crazy, gives you acne, makes you look ugly. Like, I don't know who would actually want to go back on it. Like it was a whole lot of, I either eat uncontrollably. I either don't eat for days, don't sleep, but I'm never tired, but I never sleeping up in the middle of the night all the time, Mm -hmm. constantly crying uncontrollably, but I can't explain why I'm upset. I'm surprised my boyfriend stayed with me during that whole like episode of dramatics. Oh, a hundred percent. I know exactly how you feel. Like the ups and downs and, and the, the, like I have sleeping problems to this day because of the fact that I was on prednisone for too long. It's like, it's so frustrating and I don't take any medication now, but it's like, ask me to sleep at night. I can't do that. That's, that's, that's magic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like a constant like, oh, 3am, you want to get up for a minute? Okay, sure. <laughs> no problem, but you're not going back to sleep. 7am, oh. you might go back to sleep though, but you have to get up at eight anyways. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I'm sure we I probably still have like a little bit of like it in us because I was on that drug longer than anyone's ever supposed to be on that drug. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, oh, take eight pills for two weeks or however long. But no, I took eight pills for a month and then I went down to six pills and then so on and so on. And then it was like, oh, you're not doing good. Let's go back up to go the back. eight pills. Yeah. Yeah, that was like me too for months. I think it was probably about all said and done, probably about 14 months for me on prednisone until they, and then, and then I got off of it, tried something else. And then I went back on it. It was just, it was a fight. I don't know. I hate prednisone. I think everybody does though. I think so too. (laughs) They should just get rid of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Screw everybody's problems. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think was the hardest thing like when you were diagnosed or maybe before that you had to go through? So I would say like before being diagnosed, the hardest thing was probably the waiting of like, oh, I'm so sick, but like, why, why is this? I'm so sick. And when I say I'm so sick, it was like a constant, like running to the bathroom because like couldn't hold anything in and like constant, like uh, left side pain that never went away, like a dull pain that was every single day and sometimes worse. Um, so like that was definitely the hardest thing before knowing what was actually happening. And then the hardest thing when I was diagnosed was probably just like accepting the fact, like once I found out really what Crohn's was, was probably accepting the fact that this is 
what life is going to be like and there's no turning back now and like why me like why did this happen to me and not somebody else sort of thing definitely I feel like we all go through the stages of grief when we find out that we have this chronic disease. Number one, when we find out the chronic disease and then you figure out what it actually is. (laughs) You know, I was the same as you when my doctor told me that, well, it actually was so funny. I was misdiagnosed for six years and I ended up going to see this random uh, walk-in doctor and she's like, you look, you might have Crohn's disease. And I looked at her and I was like, great. What is that? You know? Yeah. And how do you know know by just looking at me? Yeah. Well, she like, like we went over like diagnose, like some of my symptoms and what I was going through and the fact that I couldn't eat and all this other crap, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, well, hmm. Anywho, but you know, when you don't know what it, that's why I'm doing this podcast because, and that's why you do your blog. It's like when you don't know that like a doctor is telling you a diagnosis and then you're like, great. uh, And then you go through like the question period. Then you realize that it's a lifelong chronic disease. And then you're like, okay how do I do this? And you're angry, you're in denial. You're like, I'm not going to deal with this, blah, 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 blah. You know? And then in regards to the waiting, like Canada has the worst, worst waiting times for everything. Like you want to go see a specialist? Oh, it's going to be eight months. No problem. But we're, it's so funny because we're so lucky because like, you know, the drugs are like $5,000 a piece, right? For a needle or for infusion or something like that. And I don't pay a penny out of pocket. So like, we're so lucky in that sense, but everything takes forever. And like, even though I think I'm having this emergency situation, like they've never met me. So they have no idea. Like if I'm an emergency situation or just some dramatic girl that like (laughs) thinks it's worse than it actually is. But no, I also you're so think right. one of the hardest things was um, like having to sort of plan your life. Like you have to know where the bathroom is and you have to know like, okay, I think I have like 20 minutes to quickly run out before I'm going to have to go to the bathroom again. And I just sort of resorted to not eating, but that didn't really help me because I would not eat, but still have to go to the bathroom just as much. Yep. I did the same thing. I was borderline anorexic when I was in my early 20s because, well, number one, my doctor is so frustrating because, so I had a lot of inflammation actually in my stomach. And mm. so when I would eat something, it would make me throw up. And so he sent me to see three different psychiatrists because he thought I was bulimic. And after a while, you start to believe that you're like, am I bulimic? I can't eat anything. And my mental wellness right now, it's non-existent. Anyways, so once I found out that I had the disease and I started taking medications that actually reduced the inflammation, guess what? I wasn't bulimic anymore. Huh, just kidding. I wasn't not bulimic crazy in the first either. place. <laughs> yeah, I'm not crazy in the first I'm not crazy either. That's a huge one too. When you're not validated and you're told that you're wrong and you're told that you're it's all in your head and this and that, or you're told by like your doctors when they had to do your tests all over again, oh, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. You're like, no, I'm not fine. Like, what is wrong with you? And, I, you know, we really take for granted, I think, our free healthcare system in Canada because of the fact that it's like, oh, if I was in the United States, I could just pay and get a good doctor. It's like, yeah. Are we all made of freaking money? No. <laughs> no. Exactly. But I mean, like, it's also like slightly luck, right? Like I was lucky to get a really good GI from the beginning, but I mean, there's so many GIs here in Calgary and like everyone has a slightly different opinion on how they treat Crohn's because obviously we all know there's no one set way. There's no one drug that works for everyone. So like I got lucky to get a really good team of doctors, but like who would have known that that would have happened? 
Oh, 100%. And you know, you there are so many doctors out there as well. And some doctors will, you know, almost not care or be too long or do whatever they do. But you know, doctors are so overwhelmed because of the uh, patient to doctor ratio is way too high. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so what do you think has been the best thing to come from all of this? I mean, there's not really a lot of great things to come from a disease, but... Like, I think probably the best thing to come from all this, uh, well, it's hard to say because I was thinking about this and I was like thinking back to everything that's happened and I was like, everything seems to be negative that has happened from this experience. And it all seems to be like stemmed around how sick I was and things like that. But I mean, like I have had amazing people support me in all of this. And I would say that as much as I hate the stoma, it probably helped me for like the time when I needed it to help me. Um, But I wouldn't say there's one like shining moment that has made this experience amazing. That's fair. I feel like you really find out who your friends and family are when, when something like this happens. I had the friends that were like, oh, honey, just go on a diet, just hit the gym, you're going to be okay. Or the friends that like, I'm in so much pain laying in bed that were like, oh, you don't want to come out tonight. I'm so mad at you that you can't come to dinner with me. But then I also had the friends that were like, that's okay, I'll come lay in bed with you. Or like, I'll bring you your hot pad or I'll sit here and drink the cool light with you. So like, it really, when you get sick, you really realize who your friends are. Yes, a hundred percent. And I had the same thing happen to me when I actually like in so many stages of my life when people would either eat either like it makes or breaks relationships, quite honestly, like major events in your life. You really find out. I actually had a friend because, you know, when you have Crohn's disease, you cancel on your plans a lot. And I had a friend text me and say to me like, Hey Becky, like, I don't think we can be friends anymore. You're just too busy for me. And I'm like, um, yeah, honey, too- I'm busy. I'm trying not to die. <laughs> I'm too busy at home with my hot water bottle. So if you'd like to trade bodies for a minute, you'll understand <laughs> why. Exactly. Yeah. No, and even still, like, I think I really realized like who my friends are and the people that I would call if there was mm-hmm. like something going on. And then there's like the people where I'm like, okay, well, clearly we're not going to see eye to eye on this situation, but I don't have the energy to fight about. Like, yeah. if this is true or not. Oh, 100%. Exactly. And the, and that's the whole point too. It's like, I don't have the energy. If you're not going to be my friend, if you're not going to support me, because if the roles were reversed, even if I didn't have a disease, it's like, if I see you in pain, I'm not going to say, oh, you're too busy. We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> but it's also like, I have found that once I've educated some of my friends and like told them a little bit, they're completely understanding. But so, like, like you and I, some people just have no idea what Crohn's is and they don't take the time to educate themselves. So then I'm like, well, if you don't want to take the time to educate yourself, then I don't have time for this. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. So a little fun one here. I love your tattoo on your arm, by the way. That's cute. Thank you. It says warrior with an Alberta wild rose for everyone that can't see me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's awesome. (laughs) So if you can go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would it be? 
I would say I let myself get too sick. I literally am the most stubborn person ever and was like, oh no, I'll just try this drug for another month. Oh yes, I'll, I'll switch to this drug and try this. Oh, I'm okay. I'm not that bad. And then like looking back, I let myself get like probably a full two years of too sick. And my surgeon even said to me, when I went in for my consult to get a resection, he was like, you just have to promise me that when it gets bad, you're not going to go another six months and think that all of a sudden things are going to get better. And I'm like, okay, I promise you (laughs) I'm stubborn, but I know now that things got a bit out of control. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm just like that. I'm like, I'll be fine. It's fine. I guess no big deal. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm just in some constant pain. No biggie. I can't walk. It's okay. But I think also like I just got used to it. Like I got used Mm -hmm. to being in pain and I got used to going to the bathroom. So I was like, this is sort of like my everyday life. And like you hear the stories of the people going into the hospitals all the time. And I was like, oh, well, it's like a little bit worse than yesterday, but not that bad. Like I was probably too stubborn. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of people out there with disease too, because I think that one of the problems is, is, you know, we don't, I don't think that we honestly fully accept our diseases for a long time. Like I've had Crohn's now for 14 years. Well, I was diagnosed officially when I was 22. So call it eight years, but I, I had symptoms from the time I was 16 and it probably really didn't like sink in and like the acceptance period probably like two years ago because you're so like, Oh, do I have a disease? I don't have a disease, you know? And then when you get sick, it's like, no, I'm fine. I'm not going to go to the hospital because you don't want the doctors to be like, to validate the fact that you have chronic illness. Right. Yeah. It's probably taken me like a full four years of realization. And I think like sitting at home in this quarantine, I was like, nothing's going away. Like I may as well share everything with people instead of like trying to hide from people and whatever, like this Mm -hmm. is it. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell us more about your blog? I'm super interested. Yeah. So I started a blog called Blah Blah Bowel. I don't know. The name just came to me one day and that was it. And essentially, like, I've just decided to tell my story in detail from the beginning. So back in 2016, and then I haven't got to now yet. I've only released four um, blog posts, but until now, and then it will get into posts of like, little things that I've learned, like being on pregnancy, for example, or prepping for a colonoscopy. So like the little things that they don't tell you as a doctor, but like that I've personally experienced. And I don't expect like it to work for everybody that has Crohn's, but it's just another way for people to read about what the disease is in more of a fun way, because I've tried to make it like as funny as possible (laughs) and just sort of like who I am. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, we'll definitely put a link in the podcast description for your blog as well. So hopefully you'll get a few more readers from this. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm assuming that your ostomy bag has probably been the thing that's helped you the most thus far with your disease. Yes. Could you go into details about your experience with it and what made you finally make the decision? Because that's a huge decision to finally get a bag, honestly. So we got to the point in like 
probably around July 2018, where I was like, okay, I'll go see a surgeon because it was literally like the Stelera wasn't working anymore. And I had been on Stelera, I don't know, for maybe nine months at that point. And it wasn't like working. Like I was better than I had been, but I was still sick, like still going for scopes and stuff and things weren't looking good. So the options were go on and Tivio, which was new at the time, like they had just sort of come out with it or um, get surgery. And I was like, I can't wait another six months to see what happens with Antibio. So I went to go see a surgeon and I got surgery in October. But the funny thing is, is while I was on the table getting surgery, because I have a very rare disease, we'll call it, because you can't see it through ultrasound. You can't see it through blood work. Like you literally can only see it through scope. So they're like, we don't see anything. Like, I don't think we're going to take anything out. And then I obviously was asleep. I didn't hear any of this. And then they called my GI doctor and my GI doctor's like, no, you have to scope her. Like there is stuff there. So then they ended up scoping me and obviously taking stuff out. And thank God, because I would have lost my mind had I woken up from surgery and they were like, oh, we didn't do anything. So I just sort of decided it was time to do it. And I knew going into it that like, it wasn't going to be forever. Like I even said at all the beginning of the appointments that like, we'll just do it temporarily till I get better and then we'll stop. So I still do take Stelera every four weeks um, while having a bag and it has really healed we'll say my large intestine for now but I mean you never know what happens like they say that there's a 20% success rate of getting a resection but who knows maybe I'll be that 20% yeah fingers crossed that you are yeah because that would be that'd be kind of frustrating to get it back on and then you're just like oh I guess I have to go through all of that again it's not even like the like um, having it attached and then, and then realizing that it's like not going to work sort of thing. It's going through that pain and that suffering again, you know, and having to go through the day to day, like going to the bathroom all the time and being in constant pain. It's like, that's the thing that's the worst. Yeah. But I think like now I will know sooner that Mm -hmm. I will be like, Oh, I'm not doing well now. But I remember like, so being in the hospital after surgery, I didn't react well to the morphine. Like I, I I was so itchy. It wasn't working. Like it was a miserable time. There was a full day where I was like constantly puking and imagine constantly puking after you've just had abdominal surgery. Yeah. It was not a fun time at all. Oh my gosh. What did they do? Oh, they put me on some other um, drug where you have to like uh, push the button and administer it yourself. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was called, like hydromorphine or something like oh, that. Yeah, hy- so then yeah. you had to push the button and no one else could push the button for you. So I'd fall asleep, finally fall asleep. And then I would wake up in excruciating pain 15 minutes later, but no one else could push the button for you. So it's not like the nurse could just come and like administer a little bit for me or like my mom or anything like that. Like it literally was like, okay. And then, um, I was my, um, stepmom patty was staying with me overnight and she'd wake me up and be like monica just push the button just push the button i can't do it for you i'm like i'm in so much pain oh my god like, oh god that's brutal why would they i wonder why they would do that and not just give you like a, a pain management plan or something and just give you something on it every like four to six hours 
Yeah. And then I think the next day I went on to something else. Like it's a bit of a blur that pain meds I was on. But then the next day I went on to something else that worked better. So. Oh, that's dramatic. That's so frustrating. I'm glad that you're healthy though. I didn't even realize that. I think that was the year that I left. That would have been like that February, I think. So I didn't realize you were that sick. Oh my gosh. There was definitely times at work, like, so mm-hmm. um, I work, obviously, for people that don't know, at a hotel at the front desk, so there's definitely times at work where I would stand there being like, I have to go to the bathroom right now, could be like, hurry up, and I'd like, mm-hmm. run to the bathroom, and like, how embarrassing, like, at work, constantly, but like, I kind of, I would say, hit it well, in the sense that, like, I didn't want people to have, like, a pity party for me, so I didn't want people mm-hmm. really to know how sick I was. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy looking back at it all. Yeah. 100%. It was funny too, because there was three of us at the front desk that had Crohn's disease at that time. That was funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we kind of blared through all the questions. Did you want to talk a little bit more about your blog or your story or anything? I would just say for people that... every person is different when it comes to Crohn's and like every um, case is different. So there's no like diet that specifically works for one person and there's no medication that specifically works for one person or anything like that. So like I would, my best advice for people would be to like find what works for you and there's going to be people like, trust me, I had the people that were like, Oh, Monica, you should go on the FODMAT diet. That diet is the devil. Let me tell you, my mom was so obsessed with me going on that diet because she had a friend that had IBS that was on the diet so she thought I should go on the diet and like no you don't know what to eat you're more stressed out about the piece of paper that has the foods that you're allowed to eat on it and I remember one day I was like okay I'll give it another try so I gave it a good try I'd been doing it for three days and Brendan and I my boyfriend and I we went to the pharmacy to pick something up I think we went to pick up my prescriptions and he's like oh I'm starving there's a subway right here. I'm going to get subway. And with the FODMAD diet, you can't eat gluten. You can't eat this, that, and the other. And I started to burst into tears in the middle of the food court because I was like, I'm starving and I can't eat this subway. And I hate this diet. Like obviously the most dramatic reaction ever, but it really just shows that like the diet's can mess with you. Like, it's not about the diet. It's not about the medication that everyone else is doing. You just have to do what works for you. Definitely. And that's kind of like with me, um, you know, even though I'm vegan and my Crohn's is pretty much under control and that sort of thing, I consider myself lucky, but it's not like, you know, if you're sick or something like that, I'm going to be like, you need to go on the, this vegan diet, blah, blah, blah. Cause it worked for me. It's like, no, it's like, you want to go ahead and try it because it worked for me go for it but if it doesn't work that's like I'm sorry (laughs) yeah and like I just would like to give people advice on what I've Mm -hmm. done not necessarily like to push what I've done onto people because I know that like you could I could try going vegan and it could work for me but who knows right unless Mm -hmm. I were to try I've also had like the luck of having really low iron through this whole experience as I'm sure most people do because none of us um, will 
like absorb nutrients. So then we get more sick. So I get the pleasure of going for iron infusions, which I'm not sure if you've ever been for one, but they're probably the most painful IV infusion out there. Um, so I've gone for those before. Like, I feel like I've just been through the ringer here. I know you're like, what's going to be my future? Cause I'm ready. I do wonder like what's going to happen. Like, let's just say if Stellara stops working for me, um, what's going to happen next? Like, I guess there's an Tivio still, but like, I just would love if they could find a cure or even no cure, just like a reason why people get this. Like I've heard theories that it's like, 50% genetic and 50% stress related, but like no one in my family has this. Like the closest thing is, is um, one of my cousins is celiac, but that's it. So like, I just would want to know why. Yeah. Having that closure for sure. Um, one of the books that really helped me out, if you want to check it out, is a book called When the Body Says No. It's by Dr. Gabor Mate. He's actually from Vancouver. And it talks about how autoimmune diseases are actually diseases that are caused by suppressed emotions. So that was the one that helped me a lot. Um, but, you know, it's not the be all end all because people that have no like have a perfect life essentially could still get this disease it's it's exactly. kind of like the same thing with any disease it's so frustrating and i think that once i've accepted this like slightly mm-hmm. i think i still have well, days where i'm like why me but like mm-hmm. i have i'd say 95 have percent have accepted this there is so many people out there on instagram on mm-hmm. wherever you like your social media that have the same thing so i have found yes. people that I follow and just sort of like, it makes you feel like there's more of a community out there. I don't know any of these people, but like you watch their stories or read their blogs or whatever. And it kind of makes you feel more like you're not alone in this. I was lucky enough, coincidentally, one of my childhood best friends has Crohn's as well. She lives in Calgary. So we sort of have reconnected over this whole, like having the same situation. So it's always nice to have someone to talk to that has like the same thing or similar things to you because then they'll give you the no BS advice. Definitely. And I think that, you know, having friends, and I say this all the time, but having friends and family there to support you is important, but having friends that are there that have the disease, that understand the disease, that understand medications and doctor visits, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, they're really important to have on your side as well because of the fact that they get it. And you can literally go and bitch about the colite or something and they'll be like, yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Like my family has been absolutely amazing. And so I have mm-hmm. like my close friends, but it's just nice to have somebody that you can like, like you said, bitch about the colite too. Cause we all know how disgusting that is. But like, mm-hmm. if you haven't tried it, you don't know how gross it is. I did make my boyfriend take a sip the first time I ever had to <sighs> drink Ew. the colite so he could see how <laughs> miserable this experience was. Um, but no, it's nice. And honestly, like I have reached out to people that I don't know on Instagram just to mm-hmm. like lift them up or say like, Oh, that happened to me too. Or ask them questions. Like I would say, don't be afraid to reach out to the strangers that you see online that are going through the same thing. Cause more often than not, they're going to like welcome you with open arms, like your best friends. Definitely. Yeah. And everybody that I've reached out to for these podcasts and stuff like that, you know, it's the same thing where 
you know, we have to build this community, this chronic community, so that we can bring ourselves up to create more awareness, more understanding towards chronic disease, especially diseases that are invisible like Crohn's, because on the outside, we might look great, but on the inside, our, yeah, we don't even want to get there. But anywho. So. Yeah. So I would also say that, like, don't judge people until you know their full story. And because like, like you said, like on the outside, I might look fine, or I might just look like I have like the casual stomach flu or things like that. But on the inside, so much more is going on and like, it's invisible. And like, you have no idea unless you inquire about what's happening. Definitely. Well, Monica, thank you so much for your time and your advice. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, well, slide into my DMs. <laughs> you can find me on <laughs> Instagram, follow me on my blog. Honestly, like I'm a complete open book. So if you have more questions, want advice, I'll answer them. If you want to call me, whatever you want, I'm here. What's your Instagram? It's m.e.deluca. Perfect. And we'll put it in our podcast description here. And the link to my blog is on my Instagram, but we'll put that in the description too. So you can all find it. That's awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you again for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Monica and I will catch you on the flip side. Bye.